All right. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, we are now um, in our episode five for our Biblical Friendship Podcast. And today is a very special podcast. They're all special, but, um, you know, we're here with uh, Mr. Huey Ding. And um, it, this is special for me because, Huey, I don't know if you know this, but at Cornerstone, you're, you're clearly and far and away uh, the oldest uh, friend that I have at the church. And so, um, you know, like being able to, to speak here and, and share your thoughts about um, the book, um, I know that you would have a lot to say. And I, I just know not even, even if I didn't know you, I could see and observe over the years that uh, you are a person that, that loves people, loves to serve people, and in that way, um, you, you've, you, know, you are a model of, of, of a good biblical friend. And so um, I just think about when the first time I met you, I don't know if you remember that. I'd love to hear your uh, account. No. <laughs> so, so what is this, this going yeah. back to, I was thinking about this too when it was the first yeah. time that we met. It was like, uh, was it Tet 68? No, it was, um, was it 94? No, no, not that. I think it, I'm, well, I'm thinking it's 1996 going into, because that's going into my so, my sophomore year. Um, and wait, UCLA. Wait, 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 what year did you start? At 95. 95. Yeah. Okay. And I say 96. I was about to say 97, but 1996. 96. So I know specifically where we were. Okay. Okay. Really? So um, we both went to UCLA, and uh, we were at the, uh, the, the pre-fall uh, Grace on Campus Ice cream thing? camp. Oh, cool. Or the, um, oh, the, okay. the retreat. Okay, the retreat. In yes. San Diego. Okay. So we were at Handlery Hotel. Yes. And we were all checking in, and I was, you know, I was new, newer to GOC, Grace on Campus, for those who are not familiar, uh, which is a ministry at UCLA, and um, of, Grace, of Grace Community Church, to explain that. And I'm meeting people, and then I met you, and then you just graduated, I think? I graduated in 96, yeah. Yeah. And then you had told me you just, uh, well, you told me that you... Um, were starting medical school a year after. Yeah, yeah, took a And year then um, you were probably the f- one of the first people I met um, that had. F- what, I don't know why, but um, you were one of the first people I met that actually got into medical school because I'm so new and I didn't, you know, I'm just meeting people. And I remember like shaking your hand like super vigorously because I was just starting to get an appreciation for, you know, being pre med and I was pre med at the time and. You know, and just seeing the long road ahead. (laughs) But then I remember, like, wow, like you actually made it. And then you know, you told me about Davis, and so I was like, wow. So like, and actually, it was a long, extended handshake. And I think (laughs) I probably like, like freaked you out because you're like, why is this guy shaking my hand? But anyway, so that's yeah, like sometime August 1996. Okay. Yeah, man. So it's been that long. Oh. I think yeah. my earliest memory of you, and I was trying to think about this, is did you take over finances for Grayson Campus? You did, yeah, yeah. Well, then you were the guy. So I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember because I was like, the funny thing is, well, I'll tell you the, the irony of it is is because is I remember, like, I was leaving, graduating, leaving, right. doing finances for Grayson Campus, and back then we had, like, like $500 in the account or something, something really yeah. small at the credit union on campus. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Handing it over to you, and I was like, I really have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but here, yeah. you're, you're in charge now, right? Right. And uh, just showing you the ropes for that, and then... 
Now, of course, you surpassed me, right? So if you guys don't know, Francis is the, the elder in charge of finances at our church. And like, I always ask Francis, like, help, help me to understand these balance sheets and all these kinds uh-huh. of things. So, uh, so you definitely surpassed me in that area. But that was my yeah. earliest memory of you, I think, is yeah. I was trying to think about that. Oh, man, yeah. And I, it's funny because, yeah, my first impressions, too, were uh, as you were teaching me how to take care of that stuff, I had, like, so many questions, and then there was, like, a few weeks that passed, and I think I was getting a hang of it, and then I remember you saying, like, this is your baby now. Like, this is yours. Like, you got this. So you, you were encouraging me. You're, you had confidence in me, and I was like, okay, like, if Huey feels like I'm ready for this, I, I, I must be ready. Yeah, that's so funny. You know? So, yeah, that... 96, 97. 96, and then, you know... Uh, you go off to med school, you go to Cornerstone, and then, um, yeah, it's like, now, like, look at where we are now. So, so wild. So just, I think, yeah, that's why it's special for me talking to Huey about this, you know, or this idea of biblical friendship, just because of, you know, what I perceive as just the Lord's faithfulness in our lives and just uh, the way that uh, he's you know, it, it helped us, you know, be who we are today and, and a lot of it, I'm, you know, we're, we're shaped by the people in our lives. And I could say, not only me, but I know a lot of the other men at church uh, influenced by you and, and your ministry and your life. And so I think for me, like this podcast here is just hearing how you do it. I think maybe <laughs> like this next 45 minutes is giving the floor to Huey just to say, like, how do you do it, Huey? Um, we could just, you know, um, have the conversation about, about that and you answering that. But um, so that's part of it. You could weave that in there somehow. But today, uh, the, the chapter is, uh, a, you know, marks a biblical friendship. So I think that actually does fall in line a little bit, you yeah. know, with um, the things that I've seen from you uh, over the years. I've seen you, you know, carry these out. So um, I, I, I'm very interested to hear you, you know, speak to them. And um, actually, I have a, do, a few anecdotes, not even just about you, but even... Your family too, so that, that we'll we'll have time <laughs> okay. for that. We'll get there. We will. Okay. Yeah. Right. Looking forward to yeah. that. <laughs> but before we get into chapter three, you know, so everything that you heard or read so far, like what, any impressions and you know from the book so far. And again, uh, this is not our episode five, but just as a reminder, we are we are reading um, the company we keep in search of biblical friendship, Jonathan Holmes, and uh, this is our fifth iteration with the elders. And yeah, so. Appreciate Huey you know, jumping on board to have this conversation. But yeah, any first impressions or in, in, initial impressions so far? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I think I'm just thankful to, to think about and talk about the idea of biblical friendships because this is a, a topic that we don't really talk about too much. Uh, and it's not an area that I'm particularly good at either, actually. So I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to read and learn and study and hear and learn about how to be a better biblical friend um, from people who do better at it than I do. Um, so I think that you're being overly gracious in the way that you describe our friendship <laughs> together. But, but there's, there's yeah. one thing that's great. I'm that evidence. We'll speak to that. But the I'm thing is, 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 is the longevity that helps, though, right? Is, is, yeah. there is that, there's, there's this longevity that, like, you and I can't be great friends if we just met, like, last week, right? But I think that by God's grace, um, there is that time, right, that we've put in together, and ups and downs and hard times and, and good times and, and all those things together that the Lord has allowed us to knit our hearts together yeah. and grow us in our friendship um, through mistakes and good things and bad things uh, and sin and, and all those kinds of things that the Lord uses to um, shape 
our relationship. And so, yeah, so I'm thankful for the chance to, to think about, consider these things um, with you and the rest of the team and to grow uh, in this. Because if you ask my wife, she would say that this is not an area that I'm particularly good at, actually. And I, I would yeah. agree with her. It's not, it doesn't come natural to me. There's, there are things that come natural to me. Yeah. But um, being a biblical friend is something that I need to grow in. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to, to learn and grow along with everybody else in this. Wow. Well, um, so we, again, the, the definition that Jonathan Holmes describes for biblical friendship and we say this on every podcast, but it's just one of those things because it's so helpful to explain and to dissect as we have these conversations. But biblical friendship being a relationship that exists when two or more people bound together by common faith in Christ, pursue him and his kingdom with intentionality and vulnerability. So, and I think, you know, in this chapter, we're talking about Mark's a biblical friendship, and there's a few... Uh, marks there so yeah your impression Huey uh, so I know the, the first one you know, is, is, is about constancy and uh, you know what would you say you know what you had you know, your impression from you know what the book had said and any any way to elaborate on, on what you perceived from that aspect about constancy and, and biblical friendship yeah so I think as I looked at his description, um, and I think it was maybe, he took it from Tim Keller's perspective of Proverbs. I liked how, I mean, obviously it's alliterative, right? Constancy, candor, carefulness, and counsel, which yeah. were really good um, of the aspects that he took from Proverbs. There was a thing that I thought was missing, though, um, but he weaves it in, he weaves it really well into yeah. all those four pieces. But, but what I thought was missing at first glance was this idea of like, um, what I wrote down was like b- biblical love or desire for the good of others for God's glory. Okay. And that's, yeah. and, that's, and, that's, and that's there in the definition of a biblical friend also. But I just <clears> felt like if you talk about these characteristics of a biblical friend, constancy, candor, carefulness, and counsel, you could have all four of those things. But if you didn't, like, you know, almost like First Corinthians chapter 13, right? Right. If you don't have love, right, this desire for the other person's good for God's glory, then those other things, like, are empty gone, or what's a clinging symbol, yeah. right? Um, but he weaves it in so well. Yeah. So he did, it's not that he neglected those things. I just would have maybe put it as, like, a number one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like the umbrella. Yeah. yeah. And it's good. that's good to point out because we can make that assumption that that's known, but, yeah, it, it is worth pointing out because that's the way like the scriptures speak about um you know friendship is you know that it's it's marked by you know love first you know so and that's that's helpful yeah and so but i, th- but I think but his first point count constancy is an important one i mean and i think that in this day and age with you know people coming and going it's a consumeristic mindset and he talks about in previous chapters about how like social media right you, you're you're committed as friends but I'm going to intentionally hold you at a distance through social media. Right. Right. There's there's that con- very controlled amount of revelation that is a problem and a barrier to friendships. But this idea of constancy where you're just like you're committed, you're there, ups and downs, highs and lows, sin, forgiveness, reconciliation, all those different phases of r- relationship is so important. And I think that's what God has granted us in, in our years of friendship is, is you know, we just... Yeah. You're stuck. We're just stuck with each other, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... Well, and it's interesting because I remember someone... 
uh, talking about relationships in the church, and uh, they had they had mentioned your name, and the way they spoke about you was, yeah, they're, they're somebody that you can count on, you know. And I, I I would venture to say it wouldn't be just that person. I could imagine a lot of people in the church that have been around would acknowledge that, you know, that if there's anybody that is reliable uh, and faithful, it would be, you know, Hubie Dang, you know, so, and I know that you're like, come on, like, like, that's so hard to hear, but, but like, let me ask you, just, if, just, even just assuming that there is, you know, there is a truth to that, um, just from your life and experience, um, how, how do you think you're able to do that? Sure, you yeah, know? yeah. I think part of these strengths and weaknesses, right? I'll say I'll say two things about it. The first thing is that like, I am committed to being like faithful. Like that that is like, man. If you ask like, what's your what is your ambition in life? Like, oh man, I want to be faithful. I want to be a good steward of what God has given to me. I want I want I want him to say to me at the end, right? Well, good, well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah. Right. So that is something that 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 does drive me. Um, but then with regard to like, you know, I don't know, stability or constancy or dependability, like part of it is like, I'm not that emotional of a person. So strengths and weaknesses, right? This is mm, okay. my weakness okay. is like, I'm not super emotional. I don't emote a lot of feelings, you know, um, very often. And so sometimes people can perceive that as mm. like, I'm even keeled and I'm like, you know, I'm always the same and I'm stable. And maybe those things are true in some measure, but... I think there is a, a good side and a bad side to it. The bad side is that I'm not great at emoting. I'm not great at sharing um, heart feelings and those kinds of things. But yeah. the flip side of it is like, but I'm always the same. Like, sure. I'm pretty yeah. stable, you know. Yeah. So it's just strengths and weaknesses and maybe a little bit of perception. But that, yeah. that's, that's a little bit of like what makes me tick and how people can perceive me that way. And one thing I recognize too, I just only picked this up recently when someone pointed out that you know, what we do in our professional lives um, has an influence about our personality, or maybe it's, the vi- it's vice versa. Sure. Yeah, both, yeah. So, you know, I think most people know uh, in the church know that you're a doctor. And, you know, and, and there are people that actually hear this that are outside the church. So for those that don't know, so Mr. Dr. Huey Dang is a, is a doctor. And so I can have an idea of how that could influence you. But how do you think that that could influence you in terms of not emoting yeah, chicken or the egg, though. I'm not exactly sure. Like, you know, <laughs> does, does the work influence me to be like that? Or have I always kind of been like that? Like, yeah, I think probably both, right? I think probably that that is just my makeup, the way that I'm wired a little bit. Yeah. In some measure. I think also that, um, you know, sometimes people will want to go to a physician who will, like, share their highs and lows emotionally. Maybe I don't connect to some people so much on that level. And they yeah. may not select me as a physician for that reason. Uh, but maybe other people are looking for somebody who's going to be like pretty even keeled. Like you, yeah. you're delivering bad news, you're even keeled. You're delivering good news, you're even keeled. Like that's probably you know as people right. select self select in a sense. That's probably what they're looking for if they find me and they stay with me. Um, so maybe I don't know. Yeah, chicken or the egg? Which which came first? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. But I definitely think that's part of my makeup is, yeah. is to be a little bit like that. Yeah. Well, and I would think too, like because of how many people you see on a regular basis. Like, so for me, I just realized, you know, so like if I'm, if I'm getting to know somebody, even like on a limited basis, and I find that you know, like they might be dying, you know, like I know it's gonna hit me harder, because I don't see many people that die on a regular basis, you know, like I'll make. I mean, it's a big deal, um, but. 
for someone like you who is seeing people on a regular basis, you could be seeing like two or three people every day that could be dying. I don't know if I'm exaggerating. Yeah, probably not that much. <laughs> not yeah, that much. But, but more you than know. you. But you but yeah, yeah, definitely. Certainly, certainly more than so you. So it's yeah. not going to hit you as, you know, as it's not going to impact you as much, you know. So I can, I can understand, and that's where like for you and 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 Hyun and and other men. Um, that are you know ex- experiencing that more uh, helps me you know recognize that and you know it, and, and understand like yeah how can you emote if you're you know because you, how can someone have that much in their tank you know if they're constantly seeing you know people go through like life and death situations you know so yeah it probably you know. does it does definitely even you out a little bit but I also think that's that's just kind of how I'm wired even if I didn't see people like that I probably would just be like that in some yeah. measure anyways yeah. Yeah. So, and I guess that, and that's yeah, that's but that's how God makes us, and that's how God made you, and made me differently, and that's why we are who we are. You yeah. Know? For sure. So, um, well, and so, anything else to say about constancy? But yeah, I think you know there is something about being faithful. And it's always helpful to recognize too, like as we think about friendship, uh, we we see what biblical friendship is based on who God is, and just you know we want to be faithful and constant because that's how God is. That's who he is. You know, he is constant. He is, he is faithful and he's someone that um, is obviously, you know, reliable and is a refuge in times of, of trouble. And that's who we want to imitate. That's who we want to, you know, portray into the world. You know? yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It, it, it is, especially even this, if we talk about under the umbrella of constancy, I mean, God is immutable. He's unchangeable, right? And he's yeah. always going to be there. He's always going to be faithful. He's always going to be the same God. And um, yeah, the, to the degree that we do that in our relationships reflects who God is and his glory and it brings glory to him. Um, so yeah, it's, all of this is, is actually just, we want to be better friends because we want to be a better reflection of Christ and, his, and how he is towards us. So yeah. I yeah, totally agree. How about on the next point about candor? Uh, there is... And I thought of you when this came up in, in different ways, but um, I thought of even the way in which uh, many you many people here may know in the church we have a class called Aspire where we have uh, you know we've identified where men um, are participating to to learn and understand more what it's about to be an elder. And I remember our first class we were talking about. You know, how do you describe an elder? And do you remember your the way that you answered it? Yes. I usually say one of the things that describes an elder is that they have hard conversations. Hard con- exactly. And I think that was a really, you know, nice way of, or a really easy way of explaining, you know, the work. And I think a lot of it has to do with this idea of, of, of being candid, of being, speaking honestly and truthfully. And this is also where I get my anecdote. So I was thinking about how, when in, in nine, so nineteen again nineteen ninety six, and it wasn't you; it was your sister. It was Sonia. Okay. And I remember how we were roommates with Jenner, with with Francis's wife. By the way, for those of you listening. Yes. So we have a lot of you know connections, and so Huey's sister Sonia uh, Castora, uh, formerly Dang, uh, was uh, also went to UCLA. She was roommates with my wife Jennifer, um, but even before then, um, nineteen ninety six. You know, so she was a she was a junior, I'm a sophomore, and I'm, you know, and I, I remember I'm doing announcements like Grace on campus, and I'm, I'm you know, like who I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, and so I'm you know I'm just doing what I do, and then I remember there was um, we had a, like after fellowship fellowship like in someone's apartment, and it was so cool because 
in a very like sweet way, Sonia approached me. I didn't, I barely knew her, and then she kind of gave me some feedback. It's like, hey, you know, like when you're up there, you know, like these are things that keep in mind, you know. And I'm just, I'm just sharing this with you because I want you to do well. I want you know, like you, you know, you're there for a reason, and um, you make these connections. But I think um, you could do better, and like here's some ways. And I was like, man, like that was so cool. Wow. Like I barely knew her. But like I thought of that as a way of her being like very honest, and but like being able to speak in a way where I knew that she cared about me, mm-hmm. you know. And so I know like if Sonia ever hears this, she'd probably be embarrassed, and like she wouldn't admit it. But uh, but but that you did, Sonia. So if you are hearing this, eventually, um, that I think I mean again like that was nineteen ninety six, but like that made a mark on me because it. It helped me see uh, just her concern for me and just speaking honestly and, and, and you, know, sh- you know, sharing, um, you know, very openly about how she can, you know, help me, you know. So, so the, yeah, the, I mean, those are just a couple of anecdotes, but I mean, just from, and I, and I know that this is something, you don't have to tell me, but I know from your life, Huey, like you've had many conversations, many relationships where you've had to be candid, be honest. So, you know, what would you, what else, you know, what would you say here? Well, this is an interesting one. This this one actually may be an area where my profession does actually influence me a lot. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. because I do have yeah. to give um, weighty news to people oftentimes. And so, you, obviously, as a physician, you can't lie to your patients. You don't want to lie to your patients. You've got you to speak the truth to your patients. Yeah. That's, that's what they want from you. You need to do that. But you also need to be artful and careful in the way that you share that news understanding where they're at, where they're coming from, what their background is, what their emotional state is like, all those kinds of things. You have to kind of like read those things and deliver sometimes very difficult news. So this is an area where my profession has helped me grow and learn in that area of being candid um, and truthful for people, but for their own good, right? For, with love, yeah. with care, with concern, uh, for the desire to see them do well, even though you have to deliver bad news. And so this yeah. is an area that my profession has helped, I think, a lot. And then also my role in the church um, in terms of trying to have honest, open conversations with people about truth um, to see them be built up for their own good. Like, yeah. as you mentioned, that, that anecdote of my sister, you know, so that they could be better. Um, yeah, so that is an area that is a little bit. But I think one thing that is important that, that um, Jonathan Holmes mentions in his chapter is that that... It really helps if they know if that person knows how much you care for them, right? And you've heard like Alex Montoya will say this, right? Yeah. Alex Montoya will say like, your people will accept anything that you tell them, right? You can say the hardest thing to them as long as they know that you love them, right? Yeah. And so he says it in a different way, in right. a very articulate way. I did, I did uh, underline it here, um, um, but the idea is that um, yeah, if if the other person knows that you care for them and care for their good. They, and you say it in the right way, of course, I think it's helpful. Um, they'd be more willing to accept hard things yeah. candidly um, if, if there's that underlying uh, care and concern for them. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this, cause, and I know we've just covered a couple uh, areas here, and I know we're going to talk about carefulness and counsel. Tell me if you agree with me or not, but when I look at these, it seems like in this aspect... This is probably the area where, uh, not just within Cornerstone, but I would just say in church in general, that there's the most growth that's needed amongst these four. Do you, would you agree? 
about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, it, it, it takes, because I, when I have these conversations, I know that I have to kind of like work up the gumption, if you will. I have to kind of like, you know, yeah. gunas. Like, you have to like, you really want to feel like you have to exercise your faith. You have to exercise kind of boldness and courage to cross that threshold with somebody from comfortable topics and, you know, superficial topics to like weighty topics. And uh, it does take courage. And I feel like that is an area that is lacking. And this is an area that I need to grow into in my own relationships um, is to work up the courage to cross that threshold, wherever that may be, into more weighty topics. Mm -hmm. um, because it's easy just to have, talk about, you know, the Laker game that, you know, or, or different sports things or things that he mentioned in chapter one of like things that we have in common or chapter two, I can't remember yeah. the social media, the things that we share in common and hobbies and those kinds of things. It's easy to, to live in that area, but it takes courage and intentionality to cross that threshold into weightier topics, spiritual things. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I, you just said intentionality and that's where it's so important. Like part of the definition of a biblical friendship has that in there because that's where this is needed um, to be candid, right? Like if, if, you know, no one naturally just has honest conversations and is able to be a good friend and, and provide open rebuke. Um, you know, it, there is a lot of, you know, deliberate and, and thoughtful, uh, even like planning and preparation to have those conversations. And, and that's again, I, like I told you, many anecdotes but so when I first came to Cornerstone, now this is now, we're talking about 1996. Now cut to 2004. Okay, 2004. And there was a winter retreat. It was a Don't Waste Your Life Those retreats, huh? Series, and you taught a session, and yours um, was about I think it was like Don't Waste Your Time or something like that. But I remember the one of the themes that you taught about was being intentional. Yeah. Not but just not intentional in like friendships, but just intentional with your life yeah. in general. You know, so I, when I, I mean, it's, again, it had an impact on me, something that I heard, because that was something, even now, I mean, it, it need, you know, need, need to be intentional about being intentional, because I remember, and you use the same, you know, illustration about, like, it's easy for us to kind of just, like, you know, entertain ourselves and, you know, sit on the couch and watch SportsCenter, because... I love SportsCenter. That, yeah, well, and that's, that's, cause that's who I am, and that's, like, even my family, like, I, they, they, you know, they, that's... Even last night, you know, it's like, you know, I'm unwinding, what am I doing? Like, I'm catching up on the game, SportsCenter, it's, like, 8 or 9 o'clock at night. That's just, like, a routine, and that's not just for us as men. I'm sure, like, there's a lot of men that do that, but there's just... The point is that we devolve into things that, you know, we're just wasting our time with, but it's important that, you know, we set our minds on things that are that have importance that are meant to bring edification, you know, to our friends. And, you know, this is something that is, is so critical, you know. Um, so I you know, appreciate you, uh, you, know, you know, mentioning that here. Um, and so for you, let me ask you, if you were, if, if so for those people that it's, it's not easy to be candid. And, and you're saying like, yeah, I mean, I have some, you know, background because I'm a doctor, so I have to do this for my job. And like over the years, you know, you've, kind of refined, you know, your skill in this area. But so for, for those who, you know, because there are people you know, maybe hearing this and they're like, you know, I do have struggle with, you know, being candid and, and speaking openly and, sh and even sharing for myself, 
but even like for, for me to speak candidly into someone's life, that's hard. So what would you, you know, how would you encourage them or any, anything that comes to mind? You've already, you know, said a couple of things, but just, you know, what, yeah, how yeah. would you encourage them? Well, first I was going to mention is um, from First Peter chapter 2, that message you mentioned um, about like not wasting your life. I think it was like the idea was that our ministry is our lives. Like that's kind of one of the, the, oh, the okay. themes of that message. Was, but Do you remember first, that from oh, yeah. 2004? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're ministering your life, right? First um, Peter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And, and it goes on and on. But, but there is, in there, is, uh, this seems like, to me, uh, the way I read it is this callings, there is this stewardship. There's we have been entrusted with this, this idea, and so there's there is a, a motivation there, an ambition or a drive that we need to um, be faithful to this message uh, and to this role that we've been given. So there is that idea that that um, that I thought about um, that that pushes me in some measure, but then also just even in the last couple of years, learning from Pastor Josh's example, like. Uh, and wanting to have like every interaction, or especially meetings, it's easier for meetings because the meetings can be really intentional. But wanting to have interactions with people and like praying ahead of time, like, oh, Lord, would you allow me? And I begin begun to do this after Pastor Josh's example. Like, would you allow me like to to love this person in this mm. interaction? Whatever interaction, it could be <laughs> a, a formal one where I have a meeting set up. We're gonna we're gonna have a meet. It's on the calendar, or even informal. Like, oh, Lord, would you allow me to like love this person? Whatever the best way that I can and then in the next few minutes that I have with this person like God please help me to love them mm-hmm. love, love them well and um, so that is kind of the, the first step I think in towards of wanting to be to have intentional interactions and I'm not, I'm not great at it I, I, I would much rather love to just like hang out with people and watch Sports Center and talk about those kind yeah. of things but I'm learning and growing and trying to improve in like being intentional in interactions and wanting and I'm not perfect at it like I said <laughs> especially with my kids like, oh, how, what, in this situation when I'm upset or angry with my kids and, and losing my temper, like, how can I love them best? Mm. Um, that's what I, I'm, I'm, I want to grow on, grow in. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I remember hearing that and, yeah, being, just praying. So it's like even you're being intentional about being intentional, you know? You're like, you're, you're, you're really putting thought and preparation and planning and, and, and it's not even your own devices. You're like, you're asking for the Lord, like, for the Spirit of God to help and to activate that in your life. So, I mean, if anything, I think, you know, that's something that's easy for all of us, you know, like anyone, any of us that might be, you know, not counting this as a strength, which would be many of us, I think most people, and just following that example that, you know, like, we, we, we may not be able to love people well, we don't know how, but, you know, let's just pray and depend on the Lord and uh, he'll put that in our hearts yeah we'll, we'll, we'll learn it together, learn it together. <laughs> yeah um so we covered a couple here uh so there's constancy constancy candor uh carefulness what, what did you make of that 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 area here so in, and then there's a couple areas um in in speech and timing so um you know there's one of the proverbs it, it, it read uh you know whoever uh, proverbs 25 20 whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. So there's there definitely a call for just knowing the right time and place to speak. So any, you know, any anything to elaborate there on? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, that's, that's where we really have to trust in the Lord, like, because we don't always know. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we know what's going on in people's lives, and we can kind of tell, like, uh, you know what, it's not a good time for them right now because they've been through X, Y, and Z, right? Or, you know, you, you get to know people. And that's, that's kind of where constancy leads, lead, you know, um, I don't know, overlaps into this area. Right. You look at, like, a Venn diagram or something like that, where constancy overlaps because you're in somebody's life. You don't have, like, doesn't have, you, have, you, want, some, you want to say something to them, but it doesn't have to be right now. Just because this thought came to my mind, it doesn't have to be right now. But if I'm committed to them and I'm, I'm, I'm constant, I'm in their life, they're in my life, there will be other opportunities, right? Now, so like in my profession, because we keep coming back to that in a sense, my profession, I've got a 15 minute window. So I gotta, mm. get, to, I gotta get to what yeah. I gotta get to in that 15 or 20 minutes in a sense. But, but in, in real life relationships, um, usually, there are other opportunities. Now, I'm not saying that you want to use that as an excuse to never get to it. Oh, we'll get to it in years. Sure. But just because I had a thought doesn't mean it needs to come out right now. But there needs to be wisdom. Um, and this is what the book, this chapter is about, or this section is about, is there needs to be wisdom employed in knowing, you know, when is the best way to get your message across in a way that's going to be well-received. Right. Because you want yeah. to be effective, effective, right? And so, like, if they just gone to a car accident, right, and they're like stressed out because, or in shock because they got into a car accident, it may not be the best time to say, like, hey, you know, I've, I've noticed some things about your marriage, <laughs> yeah. you know, because yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, I know that I wouldn't be able to accept it that well in that situation, too, so that, there's a lot of wisdom yeah. in that, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, Proverbs 15, it talks about, you know, making knowledge commendable, so, you know, we always feel like we have something to say, and that's important, that someone should hear it, but being able to, to use the right time and place, you know, to make it easy for that person, you know, to hear the wisdom that, that we have, which, yeah, so, and there's, yeah, a lot of wisdom, a lot of patience, and, yeah, even you and I, we were just even talking about a situation here, and, you know, just trying to sort out, you know, the when to say things, how to say things, and I think we left it as, you know, just entrusting ourselves to the Lord and being patient, and that's where, yeah, in Ephesians 4 talks about, you know, having humility and gentleness and patience. And so that, that patience is one of those things that we kind of, you know, skip over. But it's so important because we, you know, we, we seldom have wisdom on, on timing and are, are more hasty and just want to just speak. Um, so, they, yeah, a lot of, it was very helpful to, to call that out. And also it mentioned being uh, careful with stewardship. So in, in, in terms of uh, the, the trust that we have in our relationships. So what, what did you make of, of that section there? Yeah, I think, well, I think I probably like would hide behind the idea of being a steward in a sense. Like use that almost yeah. as an excuse not to uh-huh. talk to somebody uh, or to be more um, frank with somebody. Um, but but the idea remains, and it is a good idea, it's a good thought that, that we are stewards of what people entrust to us, right? Their their lives, their vulnerabilities, their weaknesses, um, and, and we entrust the same things to them. And so there needs to be that exchange, there needs to be that, you know, equal level of, or a reciprocal level of vulnerability um, with somebody, and, and we do steward that um, for one another. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I think about the things that we share in our relationships and, you know, if we want to fully expose ourselves and feel secure with other people, um, ultimately, you know, our security is, is in Christ. And so there's nothing like 
we, there's really nothing to be afraid of, right? To be scared. Like if, if things get, you know, get out and we're exposed, I mean, the reality is that we're, we're far worse than anything that can be exposed about us. That's true. But in terms of, I mean, that's how I, that's how I want to feel about myself, you know? But at the same time, um, yeah, recognizing on the flip side, like as we engage relationships that, yeah, like the, there is a, a measure of, of trust that we have with one, with one another. We want to take that seriously. And, um, and just all those things that we've been talking already you know, just using wisdom, having patience, and, you know, what to do with that information. And a lot of it is, you know, the easiest thing to do, like the probably the wisest thing to do is to keep those things guarded. And, I, you know, I know, you know, Jennifer reminds me how sometimes um, I can be loose with how I speak and uh, how more tight I can be with the things that are in, entrusted with me. And even with her, or even talking, you know, just, you know, among family, you know, with, with our kids, you know, so just, you know, recognizing, you know, the stewardship of, 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 of trust that we have with our relationships and the importance of, of keeping that. Yeah, he mentions that. He says this in a pretty strong <coughs> statement. He says that, um, I don't know if it necessarily, well, I'll talk about it. I'll riff on that in a second here. It says, uh, casual divulgence of the inner workings of a friend's heart and life is never appropriate, which is totally true. So I would totally affirm that, agree. Like, as elders, it's a good practice. As friends, it's a good practice not to divulge somebody else's inner inner heart things, um, uh, for sure. But I do think that there is this, you know, Western mentality of, like, uh, confidentiality, even, like, um, anonymity, that is mm. probably not a really biblical mindset. It probably comes along with our Western mindset that we can, we can do a lot of things in cyberspace and be anonymous, you know, yeah. or... or keep these things confidential but i don't know if it's necessarily a, a biblical um a biblical pattern yeah but uh, anyways that's that's just a social comment sure <laughs> and then we have uh, the last one here about counsel um so this is the fourth so the first three being constancy candor carefulness all marks of biblical friendship so um you know counsel um, you know, and it, there's a quote, there's a couple of quotes here from different Proverbs, you know, without counsel plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. We hear that often. Um, Proverbs 24, 6, for by wise guidance, you can wage your war and in the abundance of counselors, you know, there's victory. So, yeah, I think that goes without saying. I think, you know, that's probably one thing that's easily seen amongst not only um, biblical friendships, but just, you know, friendships in general, as the world, you know, thinks about it, that, you know, we... We go to friends when we need help and we need advice and, and counsel and, and guidance on, on different things. So I guess in this case, you know, like what, what did you pick up from the book that makes it, though, distinctive, um, you know, biblical friendships? Like what would be, as this area around counsel, what would be the distinction between like worldly friendship and, and biblical friendship? Yeah, so this is where I think that he really does weave in well that idea that I thought in the beginning of like, either altruism or benevolence or love, Christian love, where he wants the good of the other people. I just I, yeah. I highlighted a few things here. He says, um, a desire to make the other person royalty. He mentions that here. He says, uh, this is a quoting R. Kent Hughes, uh, a desire for the best for the other. Right? And then also um, later he says to himself, he says, friendships oriented for Christ's glory. So yeah. um, he does really use that well in this section on counsel. Um, 
Yeah, but if I can riff, yeah. if you've been in my care group in the past or life group or you know in, in any relationship with me, you'll hear it when I talk about counsel. Like sometimes people kind of kind of come to people for counsel and they want to know what to do, especially in in the church. And I really like to stick with biblical principles rather than like applications. Like, yeah. I try not to tell people what to do. I try to tell them like a point to them. Well, this is what the Bible has to say about this. Yeah. And how you apply that is kind of like up to you. Now that's not always the case. I mean, there's sometimes where you can clearly apply scripture to somebody and 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 apply it for them, if you will. Um, but um, I think we have to be careful in the counsel that we give to not go beyond scripture. Yeah. Um, and 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 point people to the scripture and the biblical principles but not necessarily always have to apply it for them. And so that's, that's, a, sure. that's a difficult line to walk. I usually try to err on the side of sticking with principle rather than application. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, not, yeah, I mean, like, there is not a prescription every time, you know, exactly what to do. Um, and, and there are, and, and sometimes, too, you can imagine not having all the information as well, you know, so you could be, um, you know, providing guidance on, on things you may not have full information on, you know, but when you stick to just biblical principles and, and set some, you know, guardrails, um, some boundaries on which to make a decision, you know, it, it equips people to, 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 you know, make decisions, you know, better. Yeah, that's what I figure. If you, I figure if you stick with what the Bible says, you can't go wrong, right? When yeah. you're you giving counsel with people, but then when you start to apply it into their lives, then you could make mistakes, right? Know? So it's safer um, to stick with the principles. You can never go wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then also, so as far as distinctives go, yeah. I mean, you hit it on the head. You know, as far as you know, it were like the purpose behind the council is is for Christ's glory. You know, and we're we're wanting no other. You have no other desire, no other aim, but to help them. You know, become more like Christ. So that's like the purpose behind our council. Um, here was a quote here that I picked up on. I think it was it said from Gordon McDonald. I just want to get your feedback on it or thoughts. It says, there's a certain niceness to a friendship where I can be, as they say, myself. But what I really need are relationships in which I'll be encouraged to become better than myself. Myself needs to grow a little each day. I don't want to be the mis- myself I was yesterday. I want to be the myself that is developing each day to be more of a Christ-like person. Right, so, um, I, right, so I think that is like really speaking to what you were talking about before. Like it's, you know, we're we're, we're you know, it's it's easy to be friends and to like enjoy our time together, have shared interests, but I what we really need are people that push us, and and help us be more like Jesus, and we're often it could be places where it could be uncomfortable too, you know. So, that's where I think the things that we're talking about before in terms of people knowing that we love them. People know that they can expect us to be there and, and we, we can be, you know, reliable and trustworthy and that we can speak openly, you know, uh, you know, allows us to give like the proper counsel, you know, that it's not even for their good. It's so much as it is for, you know, Christ's good, you know, which is really beyond, you know, our ambitions. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I think that, you know, when our church was younger, we were all like, we're all, we all have so much to learn. We all have so much to grow. You know, and I'm not yet 50, but I think that there was a temptation that like, as you mature, as you grow older, as you've been a Christian longer, 
you could feel like you've already arrived. I don't think anybody would ever say that they've arrived, but they could yeah. feel like maybe in their mind or in their heart, they could feel like they've arrived. But I really appreciate this quote because it's like, we all need to grow. We all need to become a better myself yeah. know, tomorrow than we are today or, you know, or, or yesterday. Um, and so I feel like that's a, it's a good um, guardrail against becoming complacent, against feeling like you've arrived, feeling like you know, you've been there, you've done that. Um, you know, I think that's it's great for us. As you and I think about having been elders for ten years together now, you know, it's 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 really important for <laughs> yeah. us to to can continue to learn and grow and become more like Christ, um, and not become complacent about where we've been and what we've done. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, I know you said ten years, but just obviously not ten years. It, it seems like a lot shorter than that. And like the more that we're in this, it seems like the more that we feel. We need to learn right. and, and, yeah. and grow and, and, and we, we think of all the things that we could have done better and improve upon and just look forward to, you know, many more opportunities, you know, to to make better decisions next time, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's where, you know, God's gracious and um but yeah, so I know we're closing out here, we covered everything and we're right at the forty five minute mark, which is where we wanna be. So um but you know, from from everything that we've talked about and because we've talked a lot, so kinda like maybe wrap things up here you know if there's anything that you know if people were tracking and they're like okay we've heard a lot but you know Huey tell me like in 30 seconds or in a minute like what's the main thing like I I couldn't really pay attention to all that but like if there's just one takeaway from all this and even beyond this chapter but what just even from what you've read about you know biblical friendship in the church I'm new to Cornerstone like you know what is what is the main thing you want me to Get out of this, Huey. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a tough question here, but I'll try, I'll, I'll, I'll try, and then you can kind of round it out if you like, you know. But um, I think it is that, that that we have this calling or this stewardship that we've been entrusted with each other. Right? God has given us the grace and the blessing of each other in these relationships, and we've been entrusted with helping one another become more like Christ. And that takes a lot of work, and it takes effort. And it takes intentionality. It takes all these things we talked about, constancy and wisdom and wise counsel and carefulness and, and all those kinds of things. Um, but it begins with understanding that, that calling, that stewardship, that we've been entrusted with these things. And so listen to this podcast as a way <laughs> to, uh, and, you know, and read the book as a way to grow and learn um, how to be better biblical friends. Yeah. No, no I appreciate that. And like I said, I mean, it's, I'm really not just blowing smoke. I think, again, I'll, I'll end where I started. You know, like for as many years as I've known you, Huey, you've been, you know, like as, everything we've talked about, you've been so consistent. You are you know, the same. You've been constant um, in all the good ways. And then in the ways in which you, you know, there is growth to be had, you, you've grown. I mean, like everybody else, you know. So just it's been a treat and fun, you know, being your friend and, Count it as a privilege to have you as a friend and to know you all these years and just to, to see how, you know, God has used you so effectively and mightily, you know, for the, the church. And so I think it's just obvious to know that everything you're saying, um, you are striving after, you're, you're applying in your own life and we're all, um, you know, benefiting from it, you know. So appreciate you, uh, appreciate you jumping on today and just you know, speaking on, on this last chapter. And so um, appreciate everyone, all of you uh, for, for, for staying on with us. So it's 
Um, again, this is the, the, the penultimate episode for our Biblical Friendship Podcast. We have one more chapter to go. Actually, I'm not sure who's going to be, uh, be, be sitting in, so we'll, we'll see how that, that rounds out. But uh, we've been going through this for the last five months, five chapters, and, and I just appreciate um, just everyone that's been able to, to jump on and, and share their thoughts on this book. So looking forward to, uh, um, to, to a fun last one uh, next month. So thank you, Francis. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening.